Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crew at UGA podcast. I'm Kyler, a full-time staff member with Crew, and with me again on today's episode is Daniel. Hey guys, good to be back. So if you've been consistently listening to us, you know that we've been in a series called I Believe. Now each week we've talked about an important Christian doctrine or belief that Christians have, and we've also talked about what impact these doctrines have on the way we live. Well, this week we are doing our last episode in this series. That's right, part five of five. It's coming to an end. I know, it's been a good run. End of an era. That's right. So Daniel, what is our topic for today? So the topic today is I believe that Jesus is coming again. Now for all of you theology lovers out there, this topic is often called eschatology. Mm -hmm. Now this big term, weird term, simply means the study of the end times. So Daniel, from my (laughs) personal experience... This conversation can get weird, and it can get really confusing. <laughs> Real weird. You know, and, and so I, I really feel like there's so many Christians out there that, that, that hold a variety of different beliefs on that, and that's okay, mm-hmm. but it can unfortunately lead to just a ton of arguments and just a lot of confusion. And so I want to be clear, everyone listening, we do not want to do that today. We don't want to create arguments. We do not want to create confusion around this topic. We simply want to just affirm this doctrine from what the Bible says, without getting into the nitty-gritty or, or the variety of views on this. And as always, like we've been doing with this series, we want to draw out some personal applications from this topic. Right, Daniel? Amen. Yes, that is, that is exactly right. Yeah. All right. So, Daniel, let's jump into it then. What do we need to know about the belief that Jesus is coming again? Awesome. So, Jesus is coming again. This is one of the things that we as Christians really hold firm to, and it's so important Um, to understand that we as Christians believe Jesus is not just waiting for us in heaven, but at the end of time, he's going to come back to this earth. When he comes back, he's going to restore it to what it was meant to be originally. Mm. We're going to see a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be perfect. And when he comes back, um, that is actually the end of the story. So heaven is not actually the end Mm. of the story in the Bible. The end of the story in Revelation, mm-hmm. they go to you know everyone goes to heaven, and then Jesus brings them all back. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's just going to be amazing and exciting, and it's so important as Christians that we hold to that for for a couple of reasons. There's a couple of things that get that get factored in here. So I just want to hit on as we begin some really important things that we understand about the reality that there is going to be a new heaven, and there is going to be a new earth, and that Jesus is coming back. So first and foremost, I want to highlight this. One of the things it highlights is that Jesus is not just spiritual. Mm. Jesus is not just spiritual. Jesus is very spiritual. God is spirit. Right. But Jesus isn't just a spirit. He had a body. Mm. He is a historical figure. He lived. He walked. He breathed. And guess what? He came back from the dead. So he still has a body. He still Mm. lives and breathes. And when he comes back, he's not just coming back to make everything spiritualized. He's coming back to make it whole, um, and that's just so important. There's, there's actually a heresy we call Gnosticism. Mm. Um, in the ancient church, this was a huge tension they had because a lot of people thought, right, well, 
Um, if God is spirit, then we should all be spiritual and everything that's physical is wrong, right? So they would try and go in crazy fasts. They would do crazy things, neglecting, basically um, neglecting their enjoyments, right? Have no fun or have minimal fun because we're just going to do everything spiritual, right? You'll see this in a lot of Buddhist um, theology and, and practice too, still. Nirvana, trying to empty yourself of all worldly trappings. And while we don't want to be attached to the sinful parts of this world, Jesus actually says, actually, I made you for it. Mm-hmm. And that's super important. So first and foremost, Jesus isn't just spiritual. He's, he's very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, uh, again, just something to understand. And we're going to break this down a little bit later, but I'm going to drop this on our listeners. Jesus isn't just going to be an eternal king in heaven. He is going to be the king of a redeemed, healed, whole world. And so again, the end of your story, if you're a Christian, listeners, crew people, people of the world, I guess we're broadcasting (laughs) everyone here. (laughs) The end of the story is not we all go to heaven. The end of the story is heaven comes back to earth. That's the ending of the story. Man, that's so good. And I think it ties really well Mm -hmm. with our last episode that Alan put out. You know, Alan, he left the episode with talking about the last chapter of Revelation, you know, (laughs) of what the end of the story is going to be. And he read from Revelation 21 about the new heavens and new earth. And yes. So, dude, I love that you're you're tying that back in to this episode too. So that's, yes. that's a, like you said, looking at the end in mind, that is a beautiful, amazing thing we get to look forward to. So Absolutely. That's really good. Yeah. And so real quick, let me, let me tell you what we're going to hit on here first. So see, we know this is important and like you can ask that, okay, cool. We know the ending of the story, but like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, the early church seemed to think that Jesus was coming soon but they also thought this was something we couldn't predict. Okay. And so you're kind of talking a little bit about the different theories, the different mm-hmm. philosophies that come up here. This is this yeah. is where this gets mixed in. And, and here's what I want to throw out there. So if you read 2 Thessalonians, right, the whole book of 2 Thessalonians, and Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica, and he is writing them because they have a ton of theories and philosophies about how God is going to come back, mm. how Jesus is going to come back, how's the world's, what's, what's it going to look like? Sounds familiar. To right? <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're thinking about all these things. And Paul writes them, and he only writes, there's only three chapters. Mm-hmm. The first chapter is him saying, hey, I love you guys. The second chapter, though, is literally just all about, here's the reality you need to live in. Yes, Jesus is coming back, but, and here's what he says. Jesus is coming back again. But that's not a reason for fanaticism or speculation or an excuse for your escapism. When when we hear Jesus is coming back soon, um, the reality is we normally trend towards one of these three things. The first is fanaticism, right? We try to use God's promise or his word as an excuse for our sin. Mm -hmm. So we see this historically in the Crusades, right? Right. Uh, There was this time when uh, essentially the popes, pointed to these verses, right, that, that in the Bible that talk about Jesus is really coming back, and they said, cool, he's going to come back as soon as everything, the work of Christ is finished, so we should convert as many people as possible, so if we militarily force these people to become mm. Christians, then Jesus will come back sooner, Man. right? And they used these verses and this reality, this truth, this doctrine, mm-hmm. Jesus coming back, as an excuse to violently try and force people to claim Christianity as their religion. Mm. As though that could really make any converts. Man, Dude, that's tragic. So we do not want to become fanatics. Right. Right? Mm. We want to hold true 
to God's word. Yes, Jesus is coming back, but that's not a reason for fanaticism. We don't go crazy, mm. and we don't start using uh, God's promise as an excuse for our sin. Right. Right. The second thing that the Thessalonians are wrestling with, you read in, in chapter 2 there, is speculation, right? And, and that's a fancy way of saying when we obsess over mysteries rather than revelation, mm. right? And what do I mean by mysteries? What do I mean by revelation? Well, a mystery is just that. It's a mystery. It's what you don't know. Now, you can sit here and question and ask things. There's an old theologian uh, that was once famous for asking, how many angels can you fit on the head of a pen? What's the point of that? <laughs> and the point is, what's the point of that, right? right? <laughs> it's like this gets nowhere, right? That's right. a mystery. Right. Like no one can know. Yeah. But what is it actually accomplishing to think about these things? That's a mystery, yeah. right? A revelation, though, is a mystery or, or a truth about God that he has revealed to us, right? Revelation, the whole book of Revelation yeah. is one giant revelation, mm right, that we're supposed to reflect on. It doesn't mean, and what I'm saying here is there is a real um, unhealth that happens when we obsess over a mystery rather than obsessing over God's revelation to us, right? So what should we obsess over in Scripture? Should we obsess over how many angels you can fit on the, the head of a pin, or should we obsess over the fact that Jesus is God, mm. And we can know his character and we can experience him, right? Which, if you're trying to be productive and, and just value your life and your time, mm. which should you actually be spending your time with? And, and here's the real danger in, in reflecting too much on a mystery, or I'd say obsessing over mysteries, right? Obsessing over what might be instead of what we know is. Mm. The real danger is that you end up becoming a spiritual or like a theological conspiracy theorist. You end up literally wasting your time on what might be instead of what is. That's the second thing that we really miss out on. And the third, and this is the one that, that Paul was most concerned about in Thessalonians, especially Second Thessalonians. If you read it, especially in chapter 2 and chapter 3, one of the things he comments on is, I don't want anyone to be idle. Mm. I don't want anyone to be idle. And if you're wondering what that means when he talks about idleness, he's not just talking about laziness. See, the Thessalonians thought, oh, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming back. He's coming soon. So a lot of the Thessalonians got this idea, this bright idea. Well, if he's coming soon, then I'll just wait him out. We'll just chill on, <laughs> chill on the mountaintops, eat, drink, be merry, because right. tomorrow Jesus is coming back. Yeah. Right? Right. And Paul is writing them and saying, like, yo, you're basically using the excuse Jesus is coming back again to try and get out of what the work that God has given you. Because mm. God has put this life in front of you, and until he comes back, you're supposed to live it, right? And so we don't want to do, the third thing that we're really trying to avoid here is escapism. We really want to avoid escapism when we talk about Jesus coming back again. We don't want to ignore the commands of God, which includes living in this life, being present where you're at, just because of the promise that he's given, that yes, he's coming back again, and yes, he's going to make everything right. Dude, that's really good. I love that you brought those those three points out because because I think, like you mentioned at the beginning, we are prone to all of these in different ways. Yeah. And we definitely are. I am, you are, yeah. you know, everyone is prone to, to bend towards one of these three. Um, but I think just knowing what they are and knowing what <laughs> traps maybe they could be for us, yeah. it really sets us on the right path to now explore. So what do we need to do about <laughs> So what you do know? we actually need? Yeah, so that's really good. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, absolutely. So there's one other thing I want to highlight before we go any further. There's just one other thing. See, one of the primary promises Jesus gives with his return is that we aren't 
going to see it coming. And this is why those three things are so dangerous, especially in the context of Jesus coming again. Those three things are dangerous in any situation, but it's especially apparent and especially dangerous with this one. And here's why. Because again, Jesus gives this one word on his return, and it's that we aren't going to see it coming. So um, if you'll read for us, um, Kyler, Matthew 24 Verses 36 through 41. Can you just open that up for us? Oh, yeah. So this is Matthew 24, verses 36 through 41. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving to marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be with the coming of man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one will be left. Okay, cool. So what is the one like big promise Jesus gives about his return, about the timing? No. You're not going to see it coming. Right. <laughs> no, he literally says, I don't even know. So, and here's the thing, you're going to see, I mean, I remember growing up watching like History Channel. There were so many History Channel, like conspiracy theory documentaries on when is, you know, when is Jesus coming again, or when is Revelation supposed to happen, or da, 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 da. All these different things. And, and the reality is Jesus said, oh, I don't even know. So, I, you know, there, Jesus said we'll do even greater things, but I don't think this was one of them. Right. Um, that's, just, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't think that's what he was talking about. Yeah. I don't think you're going to one-up Jesus in knowing what's on God's mind. Yeah. And so really one of the things we, we don't want to do is, again, fall into those three traps because we just don't know. And so while we're here, it says in Scripture over and over again, the refrain in Matthew, Revelation, Thessalonians, it all they all use this phrase referring to when Jesus is coming back. They all say it's going to come like a thief in the night. Hmm. You're never going to see it coming. And so one of the things I just want you all to hear, listeners, especially crew students, man, don't let yourself get bogged down in this. And as you're going through this, man, just keep in mind, we don't know. You don't know. Jesus, while he was walking on this earth, said he didn't even know. And so, really, this, this, we want to live in light of this reality, knowing the ending of the story, but we also want to be present where our feet are. Mm. Present where our feet are. Dude, that's really good. Honestly, Daniel, so the, the big question of the hour is, <laughs> so why should we care? You know, if, if, mm. if we don't know, or if we're so prone to, to even thinking about these would launch us into one of these traps... Why are we talking about this? Why should we care that Jesus is coming back at all? So to answer that, Kyler, I'm actually just going to ask you to dive into 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to dive into the whole chapter. It's only 18 verses, but yeah, if you could just dive into that, I think we'll find our answer. I think Peter answers that question for us. So this is 2 Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters, also the world at that time was flooded and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. 
Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear brothers, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Man, can we, Crew UGA, can we give an applause to Kyler for that? That was impressive. What a passage. Full passage, man. It's it's packed full. I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Dude, man, God bless you. Um, So, uh, yeah, one, thank you so much. Two, I think it's hysterical. I'm just going to, little caveat, little rabbit trail, just for fun. I think it's hysterical that Peter calls out Paul for being confusing. <laughs> and you ever been, so so guys, it's just the crew at UGA. If you're ever reading one of the epistles of Paul, which is most of the New Testament, and you're mm-hmm. like, this is a little loopy or this yeah. is a little confusing, the first church thought so too. Right. They and did. they read Greek. So yeah. if they thought it was confusing, God bless us. They we're in good company. Man. Yeah. <laughs> So here, let me break down this text a little bit for everyone. I know we just went through a whole passage, guys. Thanks for holding through with us. We're going to break this passage down. So first and foremost, here's where I want us to start. Peter says, remembering Jesus coming again is essential to wholesome or like full or Christian thinking. Right? So this I believe statement is apparently super important for the way we live. It's super important for the way we think. It's super important for the way we exist as Christian. And here's what he says. Uh, is why. He says it's all about, I'm going to use this phrase, eternal perspective. It's not the exact words he used, but that's essentially what he's getting at, this eternal perspective. Well, what does that mean? Well, if we're looking at the fact that Jesus is coming again, and if we live in that reality, in this passage, Peter kind of breaks down how if we're looking at eternity, right, in the scope of eternity, if we have our eyes fixed on what's really going to happen, right, the ending of the story, Right? We know how the story began. We're in the middle of it. But if we know how it ends, we can know how to get there. And that's really what eternal perspective is about. It's about having this clear view of where we're going so we can have this clear view of how to get there. So first and foremost, there's a couple of takeaways I, I want to throw our way. A couple of practical takeaways, right? We love our practical takeaways yeah, we do. here at Crew UGA. <laughs> so guys, here's the first one. The first practical takeaway that Jesus is coming again based on this passage is that we should not be satisfied with the world as it is. Peter talks about this. The world is not the way it's supposed to be. Guys, if you are here and you're struggling, if you're listening and you're struggling with the way that things are in the world, if you see the oppression, the racism, the brokenness, the sin, the cruelty, the hatred that in our, in our world, and you're asking, how can God be okay with this? The answer is he's not. 
He's more bothered with it than you are. And according to Peter, it says he's being patient. He's being patient because he loves us, but he is going to do something about it. He's done something about it when he came in the form of Jesus, died, resurrected for our sins, came, went up to heaven. But it also says he's not leaving it how it is. He is not okay with it. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It is broken. You're right. If those are those of you who are feeling like this world is really messed up, God is right there with you. It's broken and twisted, in fact, in ways we can't even fathom. But it's not going to always be that way. And we, at least in the moment, this is how Peter talks about, we're called to prepare. He talks a lot about preparing for when Jesus comes back. What does that mean, preparing? Well, he means we have work to do. We have a part to play, right? We talked about how the story has a beginning. We now see the end. Well, our part, we're a page in that book. Each and every one of you, Crew UGA, each and every one of you listeners on the podcast, you guys are pages in God's book to get to this last page. And you have a part to play and you have work to do because this world is not how it's meant to be, but you know in hope how it's going to. And if you can see what it's going to be like, right? We got a description in this passage of what it's going to be like. If you can see that in, then you know what you're working towards. You know what you're working towards. And that perspective is super important because it shows how we ought to live, right? Again, if you see the ending, you can know how to get there. If you don't have a destination, you don't know where you're going. But if you have a destination, you know where you're going. Peter gives us an image of this destination. It's Jesus coming back again. That's our destination. So you know where you're going. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, this is your end. And and the reality is you can't serve God if you don't have his end in mind. And again, like we talked about at the very beginning, right, that, 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 um, that heresy of Gnosticism, right, we don't want to fall into that, right? His end is not just spiritual, God's ends are not just spiritual. They're not just off away in heaven. They are spiritual and they are in heaven. But he also wants to bring healing and restoration to your world and your life, to every facet of creation now. And he's going to do it ultimately. Um, In the Great Commission of Mark 16, verse 15, he actually says, Go and preach the gospel to all creation. He doesn't say go and preach the gospel to all people, just to people, just to their spirits, just to their hearts, just for conversions. He actually says, go bring the gospel, the good news that Jesus is coming again to all of creation, right? That's the end. So he wants to restore your soul. He does. For those of you who are like, wait, but we're supposed to do evangelism. We just had two sharing weeks. That is a huge part, an essential part of God's plan. He wants to restore your soul and he's going to hear and in the future when he comes again. But also, but also, catch this, guys. He wants to restore the planet, not just your soul, not just your spirit. He wants to restore the planet here and in heaven now and in the future forevermore. He wants to heal all your relationships here and in heaven now and in the future. He wants to fix this place, not just get you out of it, I'm going to say that again because it's so important. I pray that you guys hear me on this. He wants to fix this place, not just get you out of it. 
and you'll never understand the full scope of what Jesus wants to do in and through you if you can't gain a vision of the entire world set to right and the reality that he is going to do it. We're supposed to be a part of preparing that work. And if you don't have that perspective in mind of what Jesus is going to do, you're not going to be able to be a part of it effectively. The last facet of eternal perspective is that there are things that are passing away and there are things that are eternal, right? So remember, the world is going to get turned upside down when Jesus returns. That image, right? He talks about fire. He talks about it's coming down fire. And that's supposed to, he's talking about specifically like a kiln or a blacksmith's kiln, right? That's where you take metal, you take a metal ore, and you melt it down until all its impurities are gone. And all that's left is the good, the pure, valuable stuff. The good, pure, valuable parts of it. And that is literally what Jesus says he is going to do to this world. He's going to melt away everything that wasn't worth it, leaving only the best and purest parts, the parts that we really love and really need. No more fears, no more insecurities, no hatred, no abuse, no more fragility, no more toil. Just what is valuable and pure and good. And that should give us a lot of hope. Nothing we do for the Lord will ever be wasted. Every effort we make for him, whether we see it or not, will not be wasted. And every one of us who wants to be with him eternally will be. That's the end of the story, period. If you are a Christian, catch this, guys. If you are a Christian, you win in the end. You may have to go through hell to get there. But in the end, if you are in Christ, you will win. I'm going to say that again because... Someone probably needs to hear it. You may have to go through hell to get there, but in the end, if you are in Christ, you win. New heaven, new earth. That's your story. That's your finale. Better yet, that's the end of the prologue to your eternal story. Here's one little last takeaway. There are things that are going to melt away, right? There are things that won't make it to heaven And there are things that even if they make it to heaven, won't make it back when Jesus comes. Right? New heaven, new earth. And that means that while they might not all be bad, there are definitely some things that are not worth living for. There are definitely some things that are bad. But there are also some things that maybe they're good, but they are not worth living for. And they're definitely not worth much of your time or your thoughts, students. And I do want to highlight some of these things that aren't going to make it when Jesus establishes the new heaven, new earth. So here's a few, guys. First, your money, your wealth, and your positions. So here's a heads up. Jesus has new jobs for us, and they're better, holier, stressless, meaningful, exciting, adventurous, stable, eternal, responsible opportunities. Perfect jobs. All you students who are wrestling with your with what job you're going to do, what major you're going to have, catch this. There is a job Jesus has for you. You're going to have it forever. It's going to be the perfect job that hits everything you've ever wanted and then some. And it's not the one you're applying for right now. It's not the one you're studying for right now. What you're doing right now might be great, but just a heads up, you will almost definitely not be doing it in heaven. So while you want to do it really well while you're here on earth, you want to study really well, you want to prepare really well, you want to get the jobs and do everything right now, just remember, if it's causing you a ton of anxiety, if it's causing you a lot of issues, if it's taking up all your heart, all your energy, all your focus, all your love, you need to remember 
it won't be here when the curtain calls. Don't live for it, because it won't be here long. There's a couple other things that aren't eternal. Your illnesses, your struggles, and your sin. Guys, some of us are defined by our positions, right? Some of those other things are passing away. Some of us, though, we're defined by our sins or our struggles, our challenges. We're the uh, person who struggles with that sin. We're the one who has that issue. We're the one who is scarred by that person. We're the one who suffers from a scar of abuse of that kind. But here's the thing. Jesus gave us a little snapshot when he came back from the grave of what his new heaven and new earth was going to be like. And it's really interesting, guys. He kept his scars. He kept his scars. They, they said there were nail scars, holes still through his hands, but they were completely healed because his scars became his glory marks. His scars became his glory marks. Hmm. What had hurt him and held him down, what had pinned him to a cross to die, became the mark of what he had overcome. And guys, I want you all to hear this. The scars, the illnesses, the, the pain, the struggles, even the sin that holds you guys down, that's not going to be here forever. If you're in it wrestling right now, just know this. It's not going to be there forever. And just like Jesus, when he brings you back to the new heaven and the new earth, just like him, your scars will be completely healed, and what's more, they will be testimonies of what he overcame in your life. Just an encouragement to live with that eternal perspective. Man, Daniel, that's all really good. Dude, thanks for providing that really good teaching on, on this topic, but also uh, just drawing out some really good applications and also this, this eternal perspective mindset yeah. that Christ wants us to have um, mm-hmm. as we live still on this side of eternity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's all really good. Now, to everyone listening, as always, we would love to get to know you if we don't. Uh, if you're new to Crew or if you have any questions about this episode um, or about Crew in general, please fill out the survey in the show notes and we will be in touch. And uh, thanks again for, for listening to uh, our I Believe series.